Welcome to Reconciled Church Miami, Pastor Aldo Leon. Check this out. Jesus does this miracle in a place that nobody cares about. No one cares about King of Galilee. In a wedding that no one knows about. Not only that, he does it. I mean, this is his first miracle. I'm coming out. Why not go to Jerusalem? Why do your first miracle in some, in, in, in some redneck wedding? Why do the miracle in a way that no one knows about it? You wouldn't even say, all right, look, party was saved by me. All right, y'all know that? He does it in secret. No one knows except the servants, and he doesn't take credit for it. Jesus' mom says, save the party. And he says, look, I'm going to save the party, but me saving the party is going to be done in a secret way, connected through the hour of the cross. So, why? Why do it that way? Well, because Jesus is showing us a greatness that is nothing like the greatness that we think we need. You know, our problem is that humans, from the beginning, from Adam, decided to be great as God, and so, you know what we need to be saved? We need someone who is great to be obscure like we should be. We aspire to greatness, and so God, in order to save us, must, aspire, must go down and humble himself and be like us in order to save us. You know, we, we want the Superman, look, we want a savior that's kind of like Superman. He flies around in power, right? This guy who flies around in power with big muscle, very handsome, and just like, Blast all of our issues. That's Hollywood portrays very accurately what you want as a savior. But what we want as a savior. But 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 what we don't need, beloved. We don't need this guy who's great and coming in power and in glory and in status to then you know miraculously make the wine in some miraculous way. But what we need is this humble, crucified. Dying Savior who doesn't come in his mighty strength, but he comes in the power of weakness. That's what we need. We don't need someone to rescue us. We need someone to die for us and take us into his death in order to save us in his death. What John is showing us is, beloved, the greatness that we need to aspire to look to is the greatness of a crucified, slaughtered Savior who redeems us in weakness, not in human power and strength. That's exactly why John does this miracle. He shows it in this way. Is that, beloved, we need a picture of greatness that is not in some humanly strong and mighty guy making us stronger, but in this crucified, bloody sacrifice that in his weakness makes us alive in his death. That is this new kind of greatness, not the same old, but, but there's something else I want to say. We need a new provision, not reciprocal potlucks. Notice it, guys. Jesus is the one who provides everything in this event for the events to take place. Uh, guys, we have a potluck mentality to spirituality. You know? We have this idea that, you know, um, I'm going to bring my family and I'm going to bring human affirmation and I'm going to bring my morality and I'm going to bring what I do for RCM and I'm going to bring what I do as a mom and I'm going to bring all these things. I'm going to bring my transformation and I'm going to bring my spiritual experience to the table of Jesus. But 
But what this miracle shows us is that you know where joy comes from, beloved? It's from you being provided for by the gospel. Not by you providing things for Jesus. It means that at the table of the gospel, Jesus Christ provides you forgiveness of sins. He provides for you wrath satisfied. He provides for you perfect obedience and leads to a perfect justification, a perfect status. He provides for you ransom from sin, death, and hell. He provides for you adoption. He provides for you the Holy Spirit. Jesus provides what gives you true joy. This ain't no potluck, beloved. And that's what this miracle shows us. And, and so, you know what? I think this year, we need to come to grips with, you know what? God showed up to the party with Jesus. And when God showed up to the party with Jesus, every single thing that brings me joy was given. Period. Point blank. I bring nothing to the party. Hallelujah. Ever. And this is a new joy. It's a new provision, not potlucks. But there's something else. There's something else. It's new pronouncements, not commitments. New pronouncements, not commitments. Notice how, how does it, you know, how does this water turn to wine? How? By Jesus talking. By Jesus saying things, basically, water turns turns to wine. So if we are like the water of human purification, if we're just the water of just regularity, so to speak, uh, the way God changes us is by declaring us to be something with his good news. How does water turn into something miraculous and rich? By the declaration of the Son of God, by the good news pronounced to you that declares you righteous, though you have no qualities of righteousness in you. Amen. Beloved, you need to live this year under the power of declaration of what Jesus has declared about who you are, outside of who you are, in Jesus. That is true joy. Hallelujah. I, I exist, you know, as this basically plain, not so significant thing, but the gospel powerful word declares me to be right with God because of this declaration outside of me. It's kind of like my kids. They have the power to declare things to me that are not. This is a cow. This is a dinosaur. No, it's not. It's just simple. It declares to me, and so it is. The gospel has declared you. Jesus has declared you in your waterness to be a wine of newness by his pronouncements, not by your changes. So we need a new pronouncements, not new commitments. You know, like this year, instead of committing to a million things, I want to be, you know, and look, there's nothing wrong with these things. We're talking about the primary. You know, I want to I want to be lighter and skinnier, you know, like, all right, I want to, like, fix this and fix that, and, and I want to remove this temptation, and, you know, like, I want to, like, just... John's saying, I want you to just live under the pronouncement of Jesus this year as your primary calling, and let everything else fall under, under that. Though those things are not wrong, but there's something else that we learned about this miracle that I love. Is that it's about new ownership, not new management. New ownership. Jesus basically getting me to take a new kind of ownership, not Jesus helping me to manage things better. You say, okay, man, like, okay, well, why? Well, notice what happens here in this event. 
The service takes credit for what Jesus does. The chief servant takes credit for what Jesus does. And the groom takes credit for what Jesus does. And you know what happens? Everyone's happy. Basically, what we see in this miracle spiritually is that you taking credit for what Jesus does is what brings you true joy. The party is great. Why? Because a bunch of losers are taking credit for someone else's virtues. Okay? Um, and this is, this is so hard for us as Americans because we hate people who take credit for things that they didn't do, don't we? When someone takes credit for something we do, but the gospel virtue says that basically, beloved, your joy this year is in taking credit for things that you did not do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, we think, oh, God, give me credit for my new life. Give me credit for my husbanding. Give me credit for, like, you know, like, my spirituality. Give me credit for me not being as bad as those people. You know, like, those really bad people. Jesus, give me credit for how difficult my life is. Jesus, give me credit for my phony Facebook presentations. And this miracle says, beloved, you can live a life of taking credit for what somebody else did. You know, like, you read the gospel, you might do the gospels. Jesus, you see that humility, you see that humble Jesus, I did that. You see that loving Jesus, loving God, and loving neighbor, a man of the world, I did that. Like, no, you didn't. Yes, I did. I take credit for what he did. That, that's Christianity. That's part of his new joy. Man, like, he endured. He was, you know, persevering, and he was just kind and gracious. I did that thousands of years ago when Jesus did that. You're like, you guys, you, you guys aren't even thinking. That sounds ridiculous, but beloved, this is a new kind of joy that you need. You spend your life thinking about the accomplishments of Jesus, and but you didn't do it, and you say, I did it, I own it, I take credit for it. You know what happens? This resounding joy and celebration. As opposed to the misery and insanity, what you do from the bed your entire life, getting people to give you credit for what you do. That's miserable. It's miserable. This is a new kind of ownership, not just new management. But there's more, there's more about this room. It's about new creation, not improvements. <laughs> Check it out. When Jesus makes the water to wine, he, he doesn't. He didn't improve the water, right? The water of, of human purification and ceremonies, he doesn't make it better, right? Jesus didn't go there and kind of like vitamin, vitaminize the water. He didn't like drop spiritual like you know chlorine tablets in the water. He makes the water to be something entirely else. You know why? Because that's what we need, beloved. We don't need Jesus to come in our water wells and kind of spice it up, add some lemon, you know, some chlorine to clean up. What we need is Jesus to come to our water, so to speak, and create something entirely and comprehensively new. Absolutely new. Nothing like the original. Kind of like Nicodemus, he comes earlier and he's like, hey, we know you're a teacher, we know you're a prophet. She's like, I'm, here. I'm not coming here to teach you. I'm here to come here to make you a new creature, an entirely new creature by the power of the gospel. And so this, beloved, this is 
thing. All right, Jesus. Come and take the water of my will and make it a little stronger. Come and make the water of my law keep and make it a little better. You know, come and make this person in my life just a little bit better, whether it's my kids or my spouse. Come on, come on, make the water of me and natural, you know, take the water of like how I try to fix everything by shame, guilt, and manipulation and lying. Come and add to that. And Jesus says, Beloved, there's a new joy. And him making something entirely new in the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. That's your joy. And after Jesus coming and adding and, and making, you know, your naturalness a little better. It's kind of like, yo, our problem is that we got new cars and we still try to drive our new cars like the old car. We got the new car of this new creation in Jesus, death, burial, and resurrection. And we're driving like we still got the hoopty. And like what John is saying, look, you got a new car, new manual. You are empowered by the newness of the gospel, not by Jesus adding and improving you. So now live your life this year, understanding, beloved, what does it mean for me to be a new creature by the power of death and resurrection? And stop trying to make you better. You better will never be better. It will always be bad. And so this miracle shows us, beloved, is that we need new creation by the gospel, not improvements. But there's more. There's more. I told you this is a lot of a lot of points. Patrick is like, oh my gosh, there's no, there's no pictures. There's no pictures. Just points. Hallelujah! Bring it on. I can't tell with that. Alright, there's a new kind of service. A new kind of service. Not the down up, but the up down. Let me ask you something. How did this party work? How did this marriage go on? How? By Jesus serving everybody, right? That's it. There, there's no other way for the party to exist apart from Jesus beginning service that enables everyone else to do what they're supposed to do. And so the reason I need to bring that out is that guys, we act, we don't say this, but we act like our entire life is about us serving God and serving each other. But I think a better picture is more like our kids, you know, like uh, basically I, we set the little kids. And that's why, you know, Jesus says, unless you become like little children, you will never ever become them. Like that. Little kids is a paradigm for our adulthood as, as Christians. You know, little kids, basically, they're depending on everything you do, right? But they, they can only love me as far as I love them. Trust me. I know this firsthand. I, they can only be excited about me as far as I'm excited about them. They can only help and serve as far as I serve them. Every single aspect of a child's life is dependent and initiated by the parent's service. And so, beloved, we don't think that way. We are self-sufficient people who always want to get the ball rolling and we're tired all the time. And it's because we don't see this new kind of service that Jesus shows us in this miracle. So this year, you know, what I, you know what you need to do, beloved? Jesus, would you love me with your love so I can love you? Jesus, would you bathe me in your prayers so I can pray unto you? Jesus, would you give me joy in your joy so I can rejoice in you? And all this moralistic, you know, rejoice in God. How do I do that? How on earth does somebody with 
in God by entering into the pre-existing gospel joy of Jesus for me. Jesus, give me resolve in your obedience. Hold me, Jesus, so I can hold you. Cleanse me in your blood so I can cleanse my life. Beloved Jesus, Jesus, show me your commitments that you have to me so I can commit to you. Jesus, show me, tell me your promises so I can live unto you. This is a new kind of paradigm for your life. Jesus, teach me about how your death enables me to die. It's a new kind of service that goes from the down, from the top down, and not from the bottom up. And you know what's funny? Uh, Peter had a problem with this. Remember like uh, in John 13, you know, Jesus he takes his towel off, and he's, wash, he's washing up feet. And, and, and Peter's like, Peter says to Jesus, you ain't going to wash my feet. I'll wash your feet, Jesus. Sounds, sounds spiritual, right? Oh, oh, God cannot serve me, I serve you. You know, you know what Jesus says? You can go to hell with if, if, I, if I don't wash your feet, Peter, you have no part in me. Basically, if we're not, if we don't see the life of Jesus as primarily serving me all the time before I do anything, we have no parts in this Christian thing because that is Christianity. To be served. To be loved, to be held, to be treasured, to be somebody because of somebody else. Hallelujah. But there's something, there's a few, there's a few more, a lot more. We need a new dynamic, not the typical one. A new dynamic, not the typical one. Guys, what does Jesus use to reveal his glory to the world? What does he use? He uses a wedding. He didn't use a law court. He uses a wedding. And we need to see this new dynamic of husband primarily. The big central picture, you know, that God gives us through Jesus Christ relating to us is that he is our husband. Because you know you know, how we, you know how we act, God is? You know how I act? God is a judge setting court. That's the primary picture I have. For God is a miracle worker to dazzle me. That's a lot of stuff in my hand. Everyone's going to church looking for a miracle worker to impress them. Hey, Jesus, come on, make more bread. Or, or, or we think, you know, God is like the Santa Claus, right? God is Santa Claus to give me stuff. God is a therapist to fix me and make me feel good. Or God is the employer running the employees. Or God is the mystic power to give me, like, powerful experiences. Or God is just propositional facts. Just someone who had all these things about him that I'm just supposed to know things about. But, but, but beloved, what you need to realize is that God, God in Jesus Christ is your beloved husband. You know what that means? What, what is a husband? A husband, well, basically, historically, all your baggage, woman, and you're the bride of Christ, all your baggage becomes your husband's, and all his goodness becomes yours. And so because... This husband picture where Jesus gets all of my sin and I get all of his righteousness enables me to now be loved and treasured by a husband. There's nothing more tender and intimate than a husband. And you know what, beloved? The reason why we act the way we act for one another is because we have this wrong picture of God. 
The reason why we are trying to kill everybody around us with law is because we see God as a lawgiver primarily. The reason why we are always trying to, you know, leverage, the reason why we're, we're just, we just see relationships, I'm just a provider, I just work and provide money, or I just, you know, you know, raise kids, we have, because we don't see God in Christ as his lover, I mean, like, like a husband who treasures you, who adores you, who delights in you, beloved, this is the main picture that God wants you to understand about Jesus. Amen. He loves you tenderly, affectionately, like his own body, you know, like his own body, like his own flesh. You need to think that this is the picture that the gospel miracle gives you as a primary picture. It changes everything, a new dynamic, not a typical one. But there's more about this news. I'm going to show you guys the news, the gospel news. Hallelujah, bring it out. New guesses, not the same one. There's a silence in this text that is profoundly amazing. Do you know anything about the people here? Why, why don't you know anything about the people here? Because anything in them does not matter. <laughs> silence about the credentials of the guests because the credential of the guest is absolutely irrelevant in this guest list. There's a wonderful silence in scripture which I think is very profound to think about. Our guest list, beloved, are very different. We only invite people to our parties that we like and we have on a limit. We feel like, you know, I like when I hang out with them, you know. We only get invited, you know, we only get invitations to college if we have good enough grades, you know. You only get invited to preaching conferences if you have a big church, right? That's more specific to me, but 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 Jesus guesses is more like agape. You know how you get into agape? Basically, you're absolutely incapable of having anything to offer. Amen. And beloved, you know what our problem is? Our problem is that we this year we're this is how we think subconsciously. We don't say it like you know what? I want to get my stats up. I want to get my stats up to get invited to the guest list of this vain, cursed world. And Jesus is saying, I got a guest list for you that's not like the normal guest list. It has nothing to do with you at all. It has everything to do with me. This is the guest list of the gospel. And I think, rather than thinking, like, all right, this year, how can I get my stats up so I can get accepted more in, like, you know, the, the, the this realm or the this realm or the other realm, I think, you know what, I think, I think God is canceling our guest list because he wants us to have this sweet enjoyment of, like, man, I'm on this guest list. I'm on this list of love and affection that has nothing to do with me. This is a guest list of the gospel, a new kind of guest list. You know what? You may be, you may nod our heads, but oh, we spend so much time trying to get on a new guest list because of something that we have. And this miracle shows us is that Jesus' guest lists are absolutely different. They're absolutely different. But there's something more about news. It's a new exclusivity, not a negotiable. A new exclusivity, not a negotiable. So why do you say that? Exclusive, not negotiable. Huh? There could have been no pardon without the wine that Jesus creates. 
You realize that? The party would have ended. So Jesus' provisions of wine, which represent the gospel, if Jesus didn't provide that, there would be no joy, no party whatsoever. Here's a picture I can help. If you have a wedding and the groom is not there, it doesn't. You have the bombest venue, right? You have the greatest venue. You can have like the awesomest food, Chick Fil A catering. You could <laughs> you could have open bar. You could have honeymoon, the best honeymoon spot. All these cards filled with thousands of dollars. If the groom is not there, there is no celebration, right? Okay. But we don't act that way. We don't act like what Jesus provides in himself, by his grace, is the only thing that will give us joy. We act like this. We negotiate. He says, you know what? If this situation at home changes, then I'll be happy. If this sucky, whack job changes, then I will be and we think, you know, like, if I can get rid of these frustrating weaknesses that everyone knows about me, if I can just get them out of there, then I will be happy. If I wasn't married to this kind of person, then I would be happy. You know, like, if I wasn't single and I became married, then I would be happy. You know, if I didn't have all these embarrassing, crippling things in my life that demand Jesus so much, then I would be happy. But, but what this miracle shows us is, Love it. You have no joy whatsoever outside of the gospel. The only joy that you really have is in the gospel. And every other thing that you want to find joy in and negotiate will never bring you true joy. Never. Never. And so, beloved, I think rather than thinking, you know what? Having joy in the gospel and Christ, that's good. You know, but I, I think I'm just going to like pursue these other things more, I think this year I think, you know what, I need to see this miracle and say, I have no joy ever outside of the new wine of the gospel. I have nothing outside of Christ. I have no joy. I have no happiness. So Jesus, please, this year, give me a joy that is rooted and steadfast in the cross of Christ and Father, rid me from the insanity of thinking that anything else can give me joy. Not my kids, not my wife, not my job, not my vocation, not my spirituality, nothing. Only Christ and Christ alone. This, this joy that comes from the gospel is not negotiable. It's exclusive. No party, no celebration. All right. Almost died in that point. New generosity, not measured. New generosity, not measured. <laughs> so check it out. These big, huge pots have 20 to 30 gallons in them. Is 20 to 30 gallons a lot? Does anyone know how much 20 to 30 gallons is? I mean, one gallon of milk, you spill one gallon of milk, and it like, takes up your whole kitchen. <laughs> Like, how does um, But Jesus says to these massive pots or whatever they are that are full of 20, 30, he says, fill them up. It's not enough. And what Jesus is saying is, is beloved, that this, the new generosity that you need by the gospel is not measured. It's ridiculously too much. It's ridiculously too much. 
Now, the grace of the gospel is not, you know what, I got grace for the past, but not for the present. Or I got grace for those, you know, not so embarrassing sins. You know, I, gotta, I don't have to be embarrassing or deep, heavy sins, but I do for the lighter ones. I got it for the sometimes ones, not the regular ones. You know, I, I, grace is more like probation. You over. All right, Jesus, here I go. Here's my new life. Here comes. Here we go. Or, or you know, it's, it's, you know we, we think grace is only for people who don't abuse it. Let me tell you something. Grace is for people who abuse it. Oh, my gosh. You abuse grace every day of your life. Everyone in here abuses grace. <laughs> I'm not saying that we should all right and we abuse grace, but the grace of the gospel is so abundant that when you trash it, it still is deep and wide enough to cover and cleanse you. It's not like, you know, grace is like oxygen, beloved. I could be, you know, running on a treadmill, breathing, 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 breathing. I could be sleeping and I'm breathing really slow. I could run, you know, I could be having a panic attack and I'm breathing, breathing, breathing. Or I could just be chilling, you know, with a daiquiri, breathing slow. It doesn't matter. You can breathe a lot, you can breathe a little, but grace is this inexhaustible, like, supply that you just breathe and breathe and breathe and breathe. It never ends. Hallelujah. It never gets lower. As opposed to like we think grace is more like an oxygen tank. Alright. I got a, you know, a little less. Alright, I got a little bit less, you know. That's how we act. That's how we act. Because we have this measure, not like gallons and gallons filled the brim of gospel grace. We have these cute little oxygen tanks that we gotta measure. We're like, alright. I've exhausted grace now in my marriage. Now I'll use the law. Now I will crush this person with the law and with shame and with guilt to get what I want because I have exhausted grace. Right? <laughs> right? You know? Like, I have exhausted grace and you know what? My solution is I'm going to quit and start over somewhere else. Not, not, you know what? I have exhausted grace. But no, I have an exhausted grace so I need to like go deeper into the, 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 the gowns of grace or you know? I've exhausted grace, and now I need to avoid and hide from all the hard situations which really demand grace from me. Beloved, grace is inexhaustible, it's, and new generosity is not measured. However much you need, however much you need, however much you need, no matter what the situation, these gallons of grace have been filled to the brim for your use. You can never exhaust it. You can exhaust everything else, but you cannot exhaust this. So there's three more things I want to say. See, I got through these 13 things faster than you thought. Like, just, just be honest. <laughs> new framework. You need a new framework, not new works. A new framework, not new works. Verse 11 says, Jesus performed this first sign in Cana of Galilee. He displayed his glory. And his disciples what? They believed him. What? Hmm. So should it, should it say something else? Should it say something else, right? right? Let's then turn to the human psychology. He's just this his glory, and the disciples glorified him. 
Jesus did this amazing thing, and the disciples scrambled, and they just bought a bunch of really great stuff to give back to him. Jesus displayed his glory, and you know what they did? They just did the same thing. All right, Jesus, set us off to be water mind makers. Let's say that. It says that they believed. It sounds so simplistic, but they believed. Like, the glory of an all-sufficient husband who brings everything to the party for sinners to rejoice. What now? Believe. New framework. You know, it's kind of like my kids. Look, when my kids see me, I mean, I, mean, I, I that needs to get a little bit more bigger. My little, my little, when she sees me lift things, move things, create things, fix things, you know what she should do? What should we, she should do when she sees a bunch of things that, that she can't do that I have to do for her? She trusts Papa. Right? Somebody doing miraculous things that I could never do should bring me to the conclusion that I can trust that person. Not to stumble your way or do a bunch of miraculous things that you can't do. Right? <laughs> and, and, and so, you know, Beloved, we, this is our problem. This is our problem. This is my problem. We are looking for the life, the perfect life, the death and resurrection of Jesus as this great event for us to then have the power to conduct our own miracles in our lives. Right? We, we, we're expecting that, look, Jesus, what I need this year, I need this year, I, I'm I, I'm at this place where they're preaching about these miraculous things that you have done to show your providing grace. You know what's necessary? Jesus, give me the power for a blind life miracle this year. We're thinking, give me this blind life power creating miracle to imitate you in this situation, that situation. And what Jesus is saying, beloved, need to see your year as a new year to go deeper into amazement and trust as to how miraculous Jesus is and how sufficient he is and how much you can trust him. They saw his glory right now. We're seeing the same glory of the same Jesus. What? Okay, I trust you. Okay, I trust you. I'm done. Stop trying to be this little Jesus who's going to save me by producing things in me or fixing this or changing that. Like, you know, like, I'm, I'm done. I just want to behold glory and this new framework says, I believe you, Jesus. I trust you. You are the miraculous one and all I can do is bow down on my knees and say, you have done it and I trust you. That's a New Year resolution. I want to live in the shadow of the miraculous Son of God. As both of them, you know what this year, this is going to be my year. To come out and do some things that I can trust in. But there's more, there's two more. A new miraculous thing. Adding this concept of newness that brings true joy. A new miraculous that is mundane. A new miraculous that is mundane. A new miraculous that is regular. Okay, preacher. Where'd you get that one from? <laughs> I just made that one. Come on, guys, light up! 
Yeah, I am Mike, you're not funny. My wife's not here, she'll be telling me that. Um, so look, how did Jesus save miraculously this wedding in a way which obviously is put on the scriptures for us to marvel and see the miraculous power of Jesus? You know how he does it? Water and wine. Is there anything special about water? Pretty regular. It's one thing that we can get wherever, whenever, however, pretty much. Other places where. And wine. Wine, you know, you can, get, you, can get a, you can get a bottle of wine for three bucks now. You know, at Trader Joe's or, or whatever. So he, he, he takes regular things to do something miraculous. You know, he doesn't like create. Alright. Lightning and thunder! And all of a sudden, like, this, no, he, he takes a regular thing and he creates this miracle. Or, or he doesn't like zap everybody, you know, magically zap people into like a super state. He just uses regular everyday things to do the miraculous. Now let me bring it to your level. This year you're thinking, you know what, Jesus, you're going to zap my, I, I need a miracle. I need power, and you know what you're going to do? You're going to zap my spouse in some miraculous way. Yes, you are. I named it and claimed that. I read some book, and I heard people say that. You're looking for like this spectacular breakthrough in weakness. I've had weakness for so long, but this year, you're going to bolt from heaven, and it's going to evaporate. You think, you know, and, and obviously, look, that may happen. That may happen, but, but this miracle is giving us a bigger picture. You know? I'm, I'm gonna have this miraculous God encounter, you know, like this really exciting experience experience that you write books about, you know, or like, you know what, this year I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna get a you know year pass to Disney. Then I can just have these perpetual, like, you know, amazing, magical experiences. We're always looking for some miraculous thing to change things, but with this text shows us that you know what you need? You need regular things that are miraculous. Jesus uses regular, everyday things to do miraculous wonders in your life. You know what that is? He uses words or book. He uses the proclamation of these words to spirit-empowered people in a, a gathering. He uses Bread and wine to represent the work that he did for you to get a taste and remember. He uses you having conversations. He uses you getting together with believers to think about your Savior. He uses you having normal conversations with the kids and their wives about the gospel. Uses the, the, the regular means in the church to do the best thing. You don't have you have, you don't have anything else. The greatest power in your life to change you is to use the regular things that Jesus has ordained to pour grace into you. Again, I really need a breakthrough this year. What do I need, Jesus? Use the regular things in faith and I can do it. You got a simple guy right here in an imperfect way telling you about the Savior Jesus. I use things like that to make miracles in your life. Every day, regular things.
And this is what I think is something that's missing from Miami Christianity. Everyone's looking for some, I don't know, they're looking for some super spiritual encounter to kind of zap and bring them miraculous, as opposed to what Jesus takes regularly, every day, and to convey his gospel reality and pour it into your life. And that is the power that changes everything. Words, elements, songs, gatherings, prayers. And man, come on, really? Yeah. There's one more thing I want to say is the third about the news. This is the last one. And we need a new normal that is abnormal. So the last one is a new miraculous that is regular. This is a new normal that is abnormal. So where do you get that from? Verse 12 says, After this, he went down with the family, together with his mother, his brothers, and the disciples. And they stayed there only a few days. What? Are you kidding me? Jesus, you just came out. I'm coming out. I'm coming out. I've been a regular guy working in my dad's good shop for 30 years. You come out and you show your glory in this wedding and you create out of nothing and, and it ends in you hung out with your homeboys and your mom. Does that bother you? I never thought about that, but now you're thinking about it. Does that bother you? Like, come on. That's just, I don't get that. You know, the king has introduced his glory, and now he's going to hang out in Capernaum with his mom and his homies, his friends. His... I don't know. But, but this is what we think. All right, and look, let me... Let me qualify. There's nothing wrong with any of these things. But let me tell you that we oftentimes go need to these kind of things because we don't see the significance of this new normal that is radical. So we think, all right, I have, I've encountered the gospel. Now I must go to Africa in the Middle East. Come on, we're like that, right? We're like that. God has said to me. I have encountered the glory of the gospel, and now I must preach a sermon, I must preach at a conference, I must become a pastor, I must become a leader. Yes! Right? I gotta start a ministry somewhere. You know? I, I gotta like, you know, go and like do something radical in a really dangerous spot in the scene, you know? And then put it on Facebook. You know, I have seen the glory of Jesus. Now I must get a Bible degree, a seminary degree. Yes! Sarcasm, you know. <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta go on Facebook and make videos and do blogs and post pictures. Yes! But, <laughs> man, you know what's you know what becomes a new normal that is radical? It's like, I have encountered the glory of Christ, and now I need to represent, I need to love my parents. I, I, need, to, I need to honor my parents with the faith that I have in Christ. I've encountered the glory of the gospel, and now I need to love and nurture my kids and not just exist around them. 
I have encountered the glory of the gospel, and now I need to trust Christ to be a lover of my wife, to be a lover of my, you know, my, my, my husband, to care for her, to nurture her, to honor him, to be the most influential person for his life. That's what the glory of the gospel makes, you know, makes us do. Should. I've encountered the glory of the gospel. You know what? Now I think I need to be a brother to people in this church who need friendship. There are people in this church who are disconnected. You know what? I've encountered the glory of the gospel. What should I do? There's people around me that are fishing that need my attention. There's people around that need my care. There's people around that need my text. There's people around me that need my encouragement. There's people around me that didn't even invite to their house. I've encountered the glory of the gospel. Now what? Get to know Jesus. Spend time with Jesus. Spend time with his people. Really, this is a new rat. This is radical Christianity according to Christ. Radical Christianity is normal. Normal everyday relationships. In the everyday moments, just loving on people in the background. And we don't get that, bro. People come into the church, look, and look, please, we need, we need, we need hands, as much hands as we can get, okay? We need people to help and serve. I'm, you know, hear what I'm saying? Okay? But all the time, people come into this church, and they think, alright, I want to serve, and they don't even think that maybe there is something other than just doing a task and having a freaking you know, job title. And maybe I just need to, you know what being, you know what being a member of this church is? It's me acting like my, like my family is the most important thing in this universe outside of trust. It's me acting like these brothers and sisters that Christ has died for that deserve my attention. It's me acting like my kids need to be nurtured and cared by me with the truth of the gospel. It's me acting like people around that are lost. I should probably care about them too. You know, it's, it's amazing. I'm always having conversations with you about evangelism. What's your plan for evangelism? You know what my plan for evangelism is? That people in this church will be burdened for people around them that are lost. That's my plan. I'm like, alright, let's fly in here. Let's go. Those are all fine and dandy things. Beloved, this text shows us this is that the glory of the gospel of Christ brings us to just spend time with people that are significant around our lives that need our care and attention. That's the new, that's the new radical, the new normal, so to speak. And so, beloved, uh, I would say that this year and every year, we need a new definition of what's really new. We need a new definition of what is really, truly, truly joy from what is really and truly new. Because all the stuff that we are we are thinking that must happen, it's the same old garbage. Repackage. But beloved, this is new. This is truly new, and this is truly bring the joy of that true newness that God provides because of Jesus and who He is, not in us. So I, I pray that, that, that we will be people resolved to know the news of the gospel so that it will bring us to just be regular people who do radical things that are regular. Amen? Amen. Father, you love us.
you serve us. You bring the wine. You bring the bread. You bring everything. And so thank you, Jesus, so much for being that kind of Savior, because that's what you need. That concludes our message, and we hope that you were inspired by it. If you'd like to hear more about the gospel or find out more about Reconciled Church Miami, please connect with us using one of the ways listed on our website, reconcilechurchmiami.org.